All right, welcome to episode five, Newspapers in Seats, exploring the world through soccer. We've gone live, we have a name, we've had dozens of listeners already. It feels pretty good. Hi, Dan, how are you? Yeah, yeah, very good. Dozens of listeners, I hear you here, and I say, I mean, I've got a pretty big family, so I'm, I'm sure they've helped out a fair bit. I mean, I'm quite proud of it. I, I think, um, you know, I said to you, no, no. Personally, that I think the the fourth episode is our best. So that must mean that we're getting better and better. And you know, we've got a few ideas of future guests in the pipeline. And you know, it's it's just exciting times. And now, uh, if you've been hearing us a little bit and wonder how we might know each other, Dan works at the Score. I've sort of drifted around freelancing for just about everybody. We both have a a, a familiar connection where we first linked up. Yeah, uh, Red Nation Online. Uh, we were just talking before we came on air. It was a, a great website. I mean, it, it had a, it's got a decent alumni going through there of writers and you know, people who were behind or in front of their camera. So, uh, you know, Red Nation Online was great back in the day. It was just all Canadian soccer matters, um, good opinion, good news, good match reports, and. Yeah, that's where I met Gavin. Red Nation Online was a forerunner for all the a lot of the sites that you see out there now and all the podcasts, so we wanted to give a little shout-out to them. Now, on today's show, I'll kick it off with fond reminiscences of Seattle, Washington, home of the Sounders. Not so much the rain anymore as they've moved down to Tacoma, but... Um, it's a city near and dear to me, so I'll talk about that. And Dan will talk about, well... Chicago might now be getting a soccer team. Yeah, yeah, well, Chicago, I think we'll probably end up talking more about the city than the football, won't we? It is a great city, but the Bridge Point is not exactly what people go to see. Nope, not at all. Um, I'm a little bit thirsty, so uh, Gavin, get your beer open get, and I get, can open Get us started, well. what do you have tonight? Um, well, like, I will always have a soft spot for Mill Street um, because the uh, the former brewmaster uh, Joel Manning was a you know good he's he's passed away now sadly but he was a good friend of mine I played in a darts team with him so I always have a Mill Street soft spot but um, I must say this I've not got high hopes for this beer um, I think it's post Joel um, I think the missus picked it up uh, it's called Rodeo Monk and it's a hazy white IPA um, it's been in the fridge for a while. Uh, so it's very cold. I'm just a bit skeptical. I'm not too sure if I'm going to like this one. Well, best of luck to you. It's uh, yeah. continuing your bitter trend. I, this week, I'm going to East Hamilton and Clifford Brewing Company's Porter. As you know. That's, that is an excellent beer. That's a really good beer. I believe I've had it before. But, uh, yeah, it's a you know, 2019 gold medal winner at the Canadian Brewing Awards Brewery of the Year. So uh, I think it has been a while since I've had it. But... Uh, I do like my porters. Yeah, I think that is one of my favourite examples of a porter in Canada, actually. I really like that beer. So you're going to enjoy that one very much. I, I might give you some taste notes on this one I'm pouring out now <laughs> afterwards. It looks like you're putting a lot of care in that pour for once. For once. I mean, it was just the last episode, which was a poor effort on my part. <laughs> well, here we go. This one's much better. Right, I'm going to tee you up for Seattle then, Gav. Yes, please. Um, so, I know I shared you my football ground wish list a while ago, um, and one and on that is Century Link Field, which is probably a little bit out in the ordinary for what I normally put on there because it's kind of a you know, it looks like a super modern kind of ground. But 
I don't really know much about the sports culture in Seattle. The only thing I know is I remember when Felix Hernandez was in his pomp for the Mariners. Um, you know, not only is he a great guy, he does a lot of work for humane societies. I think he's an ambassador for a, um, you know, against domestic violence um, organization. Um, really great guy, but on top of that, fantastic baseball player, six-time All-Star, won a Cy Young Award. And he had a really, really raucous fan base in uh, King's Court, where you yep. have about 1,500 fans you know, cheering on every single time he had a start. And I just really got gained a bit of a soft spot from the Mariners from that and just kind of gained a bit more interest for the city itself. I mean, is that kind of passionate atmosphere reflective of what you see in Seattle? It is, it is a quirky, quirky city. And you mentioned King's Court. Not only would they have those fans in yellow in the section, but every game, some lucky fan in the section would uh, get brought a giant turkey leg, like on a silver platter that they could take off and and nosh right off the off the bone. And so it's uh, <laughs> it's not exactly the most successful sports city historically, but there is the recent success of the Sounders. There's the Seahawks Super Bowl win. Back back in the day, they had a basketball team, the Supersonics, and they had a world championship. But you mentioned the Seattle Mariners. It's uh, it's a quirky history of a lot of losing where Felix Hernandez was a great pitcher, but he was surrounded by teams that couldn't hit. So the amount of times they lost like 2-1, one nothing with him throwing an absolute gem, it... Uh, it sums up the franchise. But if I can suggest YouTube uh, Dorktown, I believe it's Bleacher Report, they did like this six-part series on the history of the Mariners, and it is so full of quirky history, quirky facts, and the, the whole franchise is, is – you're, you're laughing at the, the misery that's gone on. But, um, but Seattle, my mom is from uh, – she was born in nearby Muckleteo, Washington to the north. She grew up in Everett. So it's a city I've been to dozens of times. I have family there still. Uh, I've had family that moved away, but um, it's a city that I can go on and on and on about, especially you mentioned – century link field uh it was actually built as a football nfl and a soccer stadium and uh it's right near safe or safeco t-mobile park the home of the mariners and it's having those two facilities side by side just creates a, a fun atmosphere occidental avenue going outside the stadium is where you get your pregame food it's where you know fans congregate and it gets a buzz going and uh that part of of soto it's called south downtown is is such a fun place to go even on on off days i love to go explore down there when when i'm in town have you ever been there well actually do they ever arrange it when there's baseball and soccer or baseball and NFL on on the same day because it must be absolute chaos down there. I have lucked into it where uh well there's there there literally are times where there are people who go to uh Mariners games in the afternoon, Sounders games in the evening and you see or the other way around and you see you know the rave green in at the baseball games or the other way around and um it is it, it's a fun sports city and, and people love teams with the word seattle on it even when they're bad <laughs> well it kind of like for me adds to the beauty of it if you know when there's a city that's absolutely sports mad and that you know even though they're bad you know, their life revolves around these sports. So, you know, Seattle really appears appeals to me from that, you know, point. Um, I think before we, um, you know, 
we'll get over the football stuff out of the way first. I mean, the first of all, tell me about Central Link Field because to me, as I said, it looks very a modern complex. Um, the sides of it to me remind me of uh, Huddersfield Town's John Smith Stadium, actually, but a little bit of it, you know, a much bigger version of it. And then, but then the ends are completely open. You can see a bit of the skyline, can't you, at one end? Um, you know, is it a real jaw-dropping you know, stadium when you get in there? It's 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 special. It really is. I mean, it's it's funny that it stands on the the old site of the Kingdom, which was a depressing. Yet, you know, nostalgic concrete bowl. Um, but yeah, that look, I mean, you get that look of the downtown Seattle skyline, and it's just spectacular. And I mean, I've been lucky enough to go. I went to a, a Sounders game back when they were in the USL. Was it USL or one of the various iterations that they had in the second division? Oddly enough, playing the Portland Timbers. Uh, so that was my first game, and I just wandered by and I just went in and. And I got a ticket. And then my first MLS game was Seattle against Real Salt Lake. Uh, Seattle's inaugural season. They had won their first game. I think it was 3-0. And then this game had a a younger Canadian international, Will Johnson, on the team. And I honestly don't remember much of the game itself. But, um, you know, what's cool about it is... If fans were standing for all 90 minutes and you know only rarely are you sitting down but uh it's it's packed you know they've done it right i think there was a book that came out that said they were something like the most successful new franchise launch in north american sports history and you see how packed they are when when things are normal and they started by filling the lower bowl and then just sort of expanded expanded from there and uh you could probably pack that thing close to Seahawk standards on most nights. Yeah, it's quite incredible. I mean, you say you've done it right. I mean, you, they've done it right. Do you know exactly what they've done right? Because I probably, maybe a, a new rival for how well it's been received. It might be Atlanta United. They seem to get a lot of fans in there. But Seattle have long been the kind of benchmark of what other MLS teams want to try to achieve with how many fans they draw in from you know a lot of it is is fan involvement now I don't know if this is still in place but I think they had this whole you know season ticket holder fan vote should they keep the general manager after x amount of years and they kind of felt involved in it and um, I think the naming of the team was something else where they didn't want to name it Sounders but the fans did it anyway Um, and the whole experience is the you mentioned the facility it you know it cost taxpayers an arm and a leg and uh you know i'm no fan of of that but i'm not a state of washington taxpayer so um it is you know it's an intimate facility you're close to the action wherever you are in the stadium um and yeah i think it's just from the day one the fans felt involved and having you know kind of a showman personality like drew carey as as co-owner is uh just kind of adds to it i mean it's not a lot not quite will ferrell standards of lafc but uh i was in the locker room at bmo field when they beat tfc for the mls cup and i turn around and there's drew carey and i remember just sort of saying hey can i ask you a few questions he says sure and every question he answered to me was uh like a price is right reference and i thought this is one of the coolest things that's happened and um (laughs) Like, I mean, he might have had a few drinks already, but literally every time he's just like, it's like I won, you know, $50,000 in Plinko, or it's like, it's like I won a double showcase. And, uh, you know, he was open and he was just fine. And I think a lot of it is just the openness, plus getting results early 
from the beginning, being a successful team from the hop has certainly helped things. No, they are a really, really impressive team. I mean, they're, you know, probably the last five years just been consistently, probably with Toronto FC, the best team in MLS, which is, uh, you know, incredible what they built there. And a lot of, you know, long-standing players who stayed there for a while as well, which are like, you know, it's really easy to become familiar with the Seattle Sounders players, which, whereas in other MLS teams, maybe less so nowadays, there's been quite a lot of turnover, so sometimes it can be hard to keep up. Um, I think, you know, I'll, I'll quickly brush on the other stadium, though, because I... You went to Memorial Stadium, uh, where the rain used to play. I was looking at a picture, and I, it looks quite a, you know an interesting stadium. It's got like this kind of really really steep stand, um, you know, almost Ellen Ellen Road esque in how how steep it is. But it's kind of like looks like a is it a bit of a municipal stadium? Is it used for a variety of things and quite quite pleased. And they've also quite pleasingly got the Space Needle in the background, so you get a nice view of that as well. Well, that's it. I mean, it's it's not the most eye-catching of facilities, and I think they hated the playing surface. That's part of the reason why they moved to Tacoma. So it's not so much the facility itself, it's what's around it, where you mentioned the Space Needle. It's at a place called Seattle Center, which is usually a hub of activity. It's where uh, Key Arena, where the Sonics used to play, and it's being redeveloped for the, the hockey team, or it's now Amazon has bought the naming rights and given it some name. But there's there's the Space Needle, there's Key Arena, there's uh, the Experience Music Project, which is this big, weird, almost like Frank Gehry-esque uh, metallic bent metallic building which is a great uh museum for music history and i think it now might just be like the museum of music history or something like that uh there was a sci-fi museum there too which was really cool so there was a lot in the area and it was well relatively easy to get to there was a monorail that went right down right downtown to a mall called north lake center and i think they're actually expanding the monorail for uh for when sports comes back. So it's it's in a touristy kind of kitschy area. And so the stadium itself was no great shakes. But um, that's another one of those areas that's very popular for people to go to because, of course, a lot of people go up the Space Needle and, and tour the area. So it's one of the reasons why, why I love this, why I love Seattle is that there are these different areas to explore and now they're adding in a light rapid transit system that's already been expanded a few times. And they are trying to make it easier to get around between all these neat kind of kitschy areas which uh, are just so fun to explore and then the people are second to none well that's, that's what i was going to kind of mention you know you say the people are second to none and it sounds like such an exciting city and lots to be excited about why does so many miserable grunge bands come from there then you know it's just like a lot of uh, grumpy teenage uh, lads in their rooms producing this music i mean i'm not a big grunge fan as you may just guess from what i said i mean what, what, how evident is the music history when you're walking around this place and do you hear a lot of grunge music when you're walking around? <laughs> I never really paid attention to it but uh, I can only guess that maybe their parents were busy working all day at either Starbucks, Boeing, uh, Amazon, Microsoft or Nintendo um, and they never spent time with them. That's my only guess because I think those are the only five companies that actually run in Seattle um, but they of course hire a lot of people. Um but, uh, yeah, I, I can only guess, but it is kind of funny. I have a cousin who used to live in West Seattle, which you sort of go through South Downtown, um, and then you, you hop over a bridge, which I think is actually falling apart. And he uh, he took me to this record store slash kind of 
dive breakfast restaurant. And, uh, you know, we'd go and every time he'd say like, oh, yeah, Eddie Vedder pops in here every now and again. And it's just like awesome. You know, the one surviving grunge band is, you know, hey, Pearl Jam's a pretty good one. So <laughs> and then, uh, so I, you know, I like to delve into the, you know, the culture of the city. There's one thing I'll refer to is, um, you know, Canadian Network, TSN, you know, our friends, uh, KJ and Coldwell. Um, when they did like a little bit of a video there before MLS Cup last year, they were in a market having a fish thrown at them. Um, is this something that you've done? And is this like a real, like, you know, Seattle rite of passage? It's the Pike Place Market is one of those places where all tourists go to. And as someone who loves loves his food and love to cook, it, it doesn't get old because, yes, the, the this Pike Place Fish Market is iconic. Uh, and, and not only do they throw the fish, not everybody gets to do it. I think it has to be like a special request or something, but, uh, the guys who work behind the counter, they, you know, they count off the, the crab when they're being tossed them and they go, you know, they, they make it a show and, you know, that's just one cool place. The veg, fruit and vegetable markets, you go down the alley are, um, are special too. There are grocery stores, which are unique. Artisans are at the end. I always go to, there's a mini donut place that makes them right in front of you and out of this world. Um, but yeah, Pike Place is something that all the tourists go to. Uh, and I'm not one to usually go to tourist places, but, um, uh, you know, if you're around, I still like to go and check it out because it's it brings a smile to my face. And plus, uh, what's new now is that they've knocked down. There used to be the Alaska Way Viaduct, which is one of those two-level raised highways going right exactly, essentially to the south of Pike Place. They knocked it down, and they they voted on a <laughs> they voted on building a tunnel instead of like a surface boulevard option and the tunnel was delayed by i think years because the the tunnel bore was literally delayed like a couple different times and one of them took forever so i think it's done i think the tunnel's ready but i kind of want to go see what that part looks like now without the giant raised highway through there because you're not far from the waterfront where there's the aquarium and and there you can actually take a, a passenger ferry over to victoria uh in bc and it's just there's just there's just so many different things to see and to do well and that's another thing i wanted to refer to i mean we obviously talk about you know city trips a lot on this uh, podcast but we're both fans of our nature um i've mentioned before you you're into your ornithology um, and there's lovely national forests and national parks around there i mean how quick is it to get into the wilderness and just how beautiful is it out there it's very i mean there are some issues with traffic on getting out of the city with i-5 in particular um but you, you can take a ferry from that same waterfront you know you're popped over to bainbridge wash or bainbridge island or there are a couple other stops along the way uh that can get you over to the olympic peninsula and there's the big the big national park up there um and then you can go the other way. I, I currently have a family member in uh, Issaquah, Washington, where it's a bit of a drive. I think the LRT is going out there eventually, but it's going to take some time. Um, but they at least have plans for it. And anyway, you know, you drive out that way and you're in, you know, green covered mountains. And then, of course, you can see it from Seattle as Mount Rainier. And what's what's great about um, the state of Washington, that part of the country is that there's, you know, there are the big volcanoes that once upon a time have, you know, done stuff like Mount St. Helens isn't too far away. And that whole area is great for hiking and getting outside. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 
yeah, Seattle people, uh, they love to get outside when they can because, of course, in the winter it rains a lot, and then in the summer, uh, it's all about you know making the most of the, making the most of the uh, the summer that they get because you know here's a here's a secret for you: the summers are actually quite sunny and dry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, you know, to, to round off this subject, I mean, I'd like to kind of just move it back onto the fan culture thing. I mentioned the whole Felix uh, Hernandez brigade. I mean, I would just like to know a bit more about how they follow their teams over there. Because as you said, they're not particularly good, but not particularly good fans on the most part, apart from the Sounders. But they're a passionate bunch of people to follow them. Yeah. And I mean, well, I mean, I, I can't stop going on about those Sanders fans and, um, uh... Just the ECS, the Emerald City supporters, is one of them, um, and that you know, the they were the first sort of supporters I heard shouting at at a Sounders game, and um, it's nowhere, it's not really close to the stadium, but there is a soccer pub there which I go there without fail every time. It's called the Georgian Dragon, and it is maybe the best soccer pub I've been to in in North America, and you know up there in the world. I mean, it's your typical kind of hole in the wall kind of grungy english pub but they they have sort of two sides you walk in and there's the bar right in front of you it's sort of in a rectangle so it's divvied up into two sides and what they do on english premier league days is they're up early and you can go get your traditional english breakfast if you want and a guinness if you want but they have games on live and they also save them for later so that if people didn't want to wake up they can come in without spoilers and they play it as live and so you know there's a couple different waves of people who would come in to watch their games and come in and out and i would love to see a world cup there because from what i've been told it's absolutely non-stop and it's in a part of town called fremont which is kind of a you know in a city that's already quirky enough it takes it to another level where you know in fremont there's this big statue to lenin that came from russia somehow uh you get your troll under the bridge which is another kind of weird tourist landmark and a shameless plug for theo chocolate which oh my goodness it is just outstanding the kind of stuff they make there so um and i think from the early days uh another reason the sounders were so effective is you know when they had casey keller in he would go to georgian dragon and pull a couple pints for him and uh you know they organized bus trips to the game and so um you know, there was, even when the, the Sounders were a lower level team, I still think they got decent enough crowds. And I think they just needed that moment to, to truly explode. And they have, and they're just these little little things that, that really help. And you mentioned how bad the Mariners are, and even in this 60-game MLB season that they're going to do. Um, you know, what helps Seattle is that it's, right, like I said, Soto, south downtown, your walking distance to places like Pioneer Square, uh, where there's bars across the street from the Mariner Stadium is a, a brewery called Pyramid Brewery. Um, and it's just, you know, it is a place where you can walk around, get a drink, get a meal, pregame, postgame, whatever, and it's a walkable city. And it also doesn't help that, you know, the trains are right nearby if you wanted to go a little further afield in the area. And, uh, yeah, oh, you know, rest in peace, FX McRory's, an oyster bar and pub, which was uh, a staple of Seattle right near, you know, what is now CenturyLink Field. And uh, long gone, but I, you know, had a couple drinks there over my time. And it's just, 
<sighs> you know, I always try when I travel. I always like to think about could I live here, and there are a few cities that, without hesitation, it's yes, and one of them is Seattle. And should we leave it at that on that positive note? That's an incredible positive positive note to uh, put it on as well. <laughs> and also, I'll ask you, how's that beer going down? Very, very nicely. It is a good, nice porter that goes down very smoothly. And how's your... Let's check in with you on the IPA. Is it as you feared? No, I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I, it's my first beer of the day. Um, and it's and it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice and clear. It's, it's nicely made. It's, it's, I could have another one of these if I had another one of these. So I'm, I, you know, I'm happy. And just to be clear, it's 9 o'clock at night. So for a first beer of the day for Dan Rouse, then... Look out. I know. It's been a busy day. <laughs> let's let's head east. Uh, Chicago, which now gets an MLS team. Well, eventually, when whatever in the history books, whenever this pandemic will come to an end, uh, eventually Soldier Field's going to host some soccer again. But, Dan, you went uh, to Bridgepoint. Is it Bridgepoint? Yeah, yeah, Bridgepoint. Well, it's, is it called? It was called Seat Geek, wasn't it? The stadium, <laughs> Which, I think. Yeah, know, Seat Geek. But yeah, name. it was in Bridgepoint, so it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a trek out, let's say. Now, but um, so but, everybody, you know, everybody, you've been to Chicago a few times. What a beautiful city! Yeah, but you, so you, you know, Seat Geek. You fly into Chicago, you fly into O'Hare, and you can get downtown pretty quickly. How how does it take to get out to Bridgepoint? What's what's involved? Well, I looked on um, on Google Maps before I got on here, and it says from uh, Soldier Field to SeatGeek it should take 20 minutes. It didn't. That's a lie. <laughs> um, so, I, no, we went, I've been there twice. Um, the first time I went was when I went to go and watch uh, Chicago Fire versus Toronto FC. Um, we, dr- we were on a road trip. It was me, uh, the missus, and a couple of friends. Um, so we, I think we were in uh, Cincinnati the day before. We watched the Cincinnati Reds at a great American ballpark, which is phenomenal. Yeah. It really is an incredible ballpark. But then, uh, you know, we travelled into Chicago. Honestly, we drove far too much on this road trip, but we drove into Chicago, and uh, I just remember the most intense storm I'd ever witnessed or been in, been in in my life. Um, it was just, you know, all, the only time you could actually see something out the window is when there was a massive fork of lightning basically striking a mistake striking the highway going into it it was absolutely crazy the water was the, the rain was so thick you just could not see a few yards ahead of the car um so it's basically standstill on the highway it was a real introduction you know it was kind of it you know, felt a little bit skeptical going in um so eventually after we kind of like you know got our stuff inside i think we had an airbnb um we went to go and get some deep dish pizza as you do um it's my first experience of deep dish pizza um, I must say, just get me a Neapolitan pizza every single time. I feel like deep dish pizza, I mean, I don't really fancy having tomato soup with a bit of cheese on top of it and kind of like a, in a, in a bready bowl. It's just a bit too much. I mean, you have, you have one slice of it and you're absolutely full to the brim. Um, you ever, John, so Stewart, John Stewart did a rant about it. He's like, this isn't a pizza. This is a casserole. <laughs> it completely is. And like the, the portions they give you are just completely unrealistic. Like, you have one slice and you just feel bad about your life and want to go to bed. And uh, so we did We did that and then we you know, jumped in the car and we had to go out to Bridgepoint. Um, so we, we're heading out and the traffic is horrific. And we're like, well, what's going on? There can't be that many people going to a Chicago Fire game. Um, and it's because 
all the lights had gone out, all the traffic lights had gone out because of the storm earlier on. Um, so it's an absolute nightmare. So you, I think you get on the highway out of town and you start going, you know, there's a few more turns to take. So all the traffic lights were just one at a time. It took forever. And during this, um, the, the cheese hadn't gone down too well with the missus, with the meal. <laughs> um, so uh, she's, she's told me I'm allowed to tell this. Uh, so she was having a, she had a bit of the cheese sweats on. Um, her, her feet were pressed to the bottom of the footwell very, very hard. And she was exclaiming on how much she needed to go to the toilet. Um, but it was impossible because we were on the highway or turning off the highway and it was just like chock-a-block, so, so busy. So she was, you know, we were kind of finding it quite funny, but she wasn't at all. She was very, very serious. Um, so that was, a, you know, somebody to keep us entertained as we went down, uh, as we were, you know, we're going to be late for the game as well. Uh, so we had to stop off at a petrol station for her to leg it out. Um, so she got sorted out um, and then we got to the game and I'm pretty confident as we were walking up to uh, to get to the ground TFC scored um, 16th minute goal by Ryan Johnson if Ooh. that means anything to anybody um, so so we had a bit of a uh, you know a bit of a gallop going on to the ground and then uh, saw a game which you know is very very you know for anybody that watches a bit of TFC is very typical where um, apparently the first goal that TFC got was part of a defensive error um, then the goal that TFC gave them in the second half I think it was was from a defensive error and that same guy who was called Logan Emery who made a defensive defensive error then promptly got two yellow cards and got sent off um, and then Chicago Fire scored a goal like in the last minute and scored a winner so it was just uh, it was a real TFC game right there. Now, did you spend any time in Bridgepoint? Like, I go on about what's around the stadium in Seattle, and it's easy for fans. But, you know, is there anything that might keep you in Bridgepoint, or do you all have to just schlep back to Chicago? We just went straight back because there's absolutely nothing to keep us there, including the football. Um, so we uh, <laughs> we just cleared off as quickly as possible and got back to what is a fantastic city in Chicago. Um, and I think it was the next day... We went to go and watch the Chicago White Sox because you know how badly planned this trip was, um, where the Cubs weren't at home. But I really enjoyed the White Sox um, at the time. I think it was called a U.S. Cellular Field. Um, <laughs> now it's now it's guaranteed rate field with the arrow pointing down. <laughs> yeah, just just horrendous names, both of them. I've I've um, been out there too. I went to uh, oddly enough a Seattle Mariners game playing the White Sox once and. Um, there was one guy who sat near me who was like Melky Cabrera, the former Blue Jay, was playing for them. And he kept trying to get Melky's attention. I'm like, dude, you're obsessed with Melky Cabrera. This is unhealthy. <laughs> but it was Star Wars <laughs> night, so it was fun. And there were fireworks at the end. I really enjoyed... Um, you know, I went to the, I saw the Cubs a, you know, a couple of years later. Maybe I'll mention that in a bit. Um, but I just found the White Sox fans they were really passionate, really gripped on the game. Um, I really know much more than the Cubs fans were. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, and and I also found Southside Chicago very very interesting. Um, it has, it has a bad a reputation. reputation. Yeah. Yeah, it has a reputation for crime, um, and you know I I wasn't too, you no know, too fussed about it. Maybe I was a little bit naive, but I remember um, you know we stopped off at a petrol station. Um, just to fill up before we went back into town, um, and you know, I went. I said I want to go in there and grab a, grab some uh, you know M and M's. So I went in there while he was filling up, and then uh, as I'm just about to go and pay, 
this lad walks in with his hand underneath his t-shirt just saying I've got a gun and um, just basically the guy behind the counter just said alright then just grab what you want um, you know who knows if he actually had a gun behind his t-shirt I'm not too sure but we just stood there you know it's kind of quite chill you know it's like it's a regular thing that happens everyone just stood there waiting for him to grab his stuff and then headed out and then I just paid for, paid for my M&Ms uh, headed back to the car and just said yeah I think I just witnessed a robbery it was quite interesting wow Wow. <laughs> and you mentioned you mentioned the Cubs, which is a whole other story. They're the favorite son of Chicago and I've gone to a Cubs game too and I you mentioned the, the Sox fans. I found the Cubs fans to be great and, you know, completely into it. And what I love about Wrigley Field is sort of the lack of advertising. There's some, but it's not covering the stadium. There's in, in between the innings. It's not this is brought to you by. They just sort of show some old highlights. And, you know, if, if the fire as they move back into town, if you can be surrounded by something like Wrigleyville, which is just great restaurants, great bars, plenty of activity. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw much of it, Dan, but, uh, you know, that's the kind of environment you like around a stadium. Oh, yeah, it's it's one of the best experiences I've had at a sports stadium. I think just, you know, great bars. And, and the thing about Chicago is every single bar, even if you went to a burger joint, would have incredible beer in it and you know really interesting people great deals like it's just what this whole city's all about really and the second time I went when I went to the Cubs um we stayed in Boys Town um which is traditionally the uh, you know the gay village of town and great na- great neighborhood uh, great bars great restaurants it's fantastic and it's and it's only a short walk from Wrigleyville so you know we had a great time around the stadium i just found the cubs support I don't know, it just felt like a bit more of a destination than a sporting event, you know, just because they kind of have, it, have that popularity about them. Um, but I did love the, the ground itself. It's like a proper old school. felt like a lower league stadium in England, you know, because it's just like no frills, lots of concrete inside. It was, I loved it. It was just, yeah, no frills. It's yeah. just how you want it. It should yeah. be about, you know, the local area and the sporting aspects. I've heard some things... I've not been too happy about since I went though. Like somebody told me that Wigleyville's just not changed massively in the in the last year or so, where a lot of these bars and stuff have been sold up, and they just put these like fancy apartments in there. So I I think it might have lost Uh-oh. a little bit of its buzz. Um, you know, if if that's comp- if somebody's told me some false information and you know differently, listeners, let us know because I I was really sad hearing that because that's basically what it's all about in that area. Yeah. Oh man, I just loved walking around, uh, and you know. So the the fire are gonna play at Soldier Field at least at first. Do do we know if they have a, even a site planned, or is it just sort of Soldier Field, comma TBD? I haven't got a clue. Um, I know they've gone back to Soldier Field. They played there a long time ago, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and they're back there, but I don't know. How long do these stadiums take in MLS sometimes? New York City FC have been promising they'll find somewhere forever. Um, and they play on the worst. It's an embarrassment. Well, it might be the soccer. worst, but it is it is the best press box meal in New York City in uh, in Major League Soccer. And it's mostly just because you essentially have, like, the Yankees one, which there's so much selection and, like, you know, Sunday bar and everything, except it was free for soccer when I went. So, uh, But that's a whole other topic. Um yeah, now Chicago. You mentioned uh, deep dish pizza. Did you have a uh, the Chicago hot dog? Yeah, we went to uh, the Wiener Circle, um, which is a a bit of a a Chicago staple because they um, insult you 
which is great. Um, when you're buying your stuff, they'll, they'll just they'll just uh, pick out somebody say there's something a bit wrong with somebody's I'm, face. I'm or... going to guess they made fun of your accent. No, actually, the uh, the 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 girl, the, the girl who was serving me fancied me a bit, and I think it was because of the accent. So she was really. <laughs> I can't, I was I was saying to her, insult me. I want to hear it, and like she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it all. And she was like, "Oh, you're cute and stuff like that," which you know made me all redder than I already am. <laughs> um, but uh, no, when it, they're just like you know, somebody would come up and they just say, "Hey, big nose, what do you want?" and stuff like that. It's just fantastic, <laughs> just ripping people. And yeah, the, the the hot dogs were fantastic. It was just a, a really small, you know, a bit of a dive kind of eatery. Um, but it was popular with all the locals, and we got introduced to that by a few friends we got in Chicago. Um, no, it was just a, it's just a wonderful city. I mean, the, the second time I went there, the purpose for it really was going to. Lollapalooza um, with a couple of friends and yeah, I'm looking at the lineup now and it's not as good as I remembered it um, there's some interesting groups there. I mean I remember in, enjoying uh, Jaguar Mar, um, Temples uh, who else have we got here Interpol were fantastic Spoon were fantastic um, Arctic Monkeys Outcast um, but you know it was it was it was good but on a Sunday me and the missus were just like we don't want to go um, and it was partly because it's raining. It was partly because Kings of Leon were the headliners. But mostly <laughs> it was because we wanted to experience Chicago more. Yeah. Because we, we were going, uh, you know, we were going the, the following day, and we just like, no, like this is such a brilliant city. Let's just go in the center, go from bar to bar, meet meet locals, and just experience it. And that's what it's all about. I mean, I just found Chicago. You know, as I said, it has a reputation for crime. Uh, for gun crime in particular, um, you know, in the south side, and sometimes it does kind of, you know, leak into the into the city centre. But like I found, I didn't really find that. I found the people really, really friendly, just lovely people, and really, really proud of their city for the most part. And you know, you've been there yourself. They've got an awful lot to be proud of, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, it's it's absolutely amazing. I mean, what and unlike you know, we live in Toronto where construction sort of goes right up to the waterfront. They've done it differently, and I think better. Where there's sort of parks and beaches right along the waterfront, so there's just more to experience, and it almost adds breathing room where you just sort of feel in Toronto, it's sort of claustrophobic right up against the water. Where in Chicago, they've just up along the lake is I feel just is done better. No, I completely agree. Like, and I think if Toronto had its time again, it would completely emulate that. It just, it just makes all the sense, doesn't it? Like, you want to have parkland by the water; it's just beautiful, rather than you know, as we have in, you know, in 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 Toronto with these just huge stinking roads right next to you know what is a really nice lake with a view of the island. It just ruins it, really. Um, you know, Chicago with. Know, Millennium Park and the River Walk and stuff like that. I've done it really well. Um, the river is so cool. I love walking I, along I lo- the river. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But I, I think, you know, one of the biggest, you know, temptations for tourists is the architecture. And, and you can't blame them. I mean, there, there is like, you know, the tourism stuff like that giant jelly bean, which is quite cool. You know, that mirror thing. That's the quite be- cool. The because you can like, yeah, yeah. I kind of like, I like it. You know, I don't normally go for that kind of stuff, but I like it. You get a lovely view of the city just by staring into it, and it's kind of, it's a bit quirky. Uh, you don't really get things like that. But obviously, the big thing there is the um, architecture cruise on the boat down the river. Again, not something I'd normally do, um, but it's fascinating. Um, 
just the different types of architecture there. You got the all the Art Deco stuff. You got all these all these school board, skill school building style stuff there. Um, just a grand grand variety of just big beautiful buildings and you know interesting bridges going over and you know if you go to Chicago it's it's money well spent it's I, I, I can't think of a better way to you know sp- spend an hour during a day um, if, you, if you're in there and um, obviously there's a big 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 pride in music um, in Chicago as well so um, we went to the first trip I went there we went to the famous blues bar on North Houston Street and it was amazing, just the music. And uh, you know, we saw this old bloke who was playing the sax for this one band. And he, honestly, he was—he must have been in his nineties. Um, when he had a break between sets, he'd go around the back, you know, by the toilet, sit on a chair, and he was having a nap before he went back out again. Um, and my missus got talking to him, and he was just like talking about, you know, they were talking about the history of, the mu- of music in the city, and he was just saying he played in a few groups and stuff like that. And she was like, "Well." You no, know, she just thought, well, let's let's just see because this guy's been about a bit. She's like, well, my favourite is Otis Redding. Did you ever like, you know, see him live? And she and he was like, see him live? I've hung out at his house in Georgia loads of times. I played in his band, <laughs> and it's just like that is like there is history right there in the bar. Like it's just you know, the music and the the flavours and the 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 beer and the, it's just the atmosphere around the place it's just such a special city and I, it's making me want to go back again yeah well, i just love it uh yeah well you've given me some new things to to think about that boat tour does sound really cool i went to it was just like the city of chicago uh museum where it sort of went through the founding and uh you know the great chicago fire and mrs o'leary's cow right the uh the chicago fire that urban legend started by uh, Mrs. O'Leary's cow. But anyway, the, the, it was just, I can't remember what it's called, but the City of Chicago Museum, which, uh, you know, is very, very interesting. And I'm not a guy who does a ton of museums, um, unless it's something I'm really fascinating in, fascinated in. But yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. And it is one of those cities that, that I want to go back again. And I do have friends there that I want to pop down and see. Um, I'll share my own deep dish pizza story. Um, where I went to one of the chains, I can't remember which one it was and I don't want to look right now, but I had, you know, I had a pizza that it was said like good for one or two people and I had half of it and I can eat and this was a slog. And by the end of it where I sort of show up and I'm like, yeah, can I just get this wrapped up? Um, you know, they saw that I'd eaten half and they go, went, yo, you were, you're a good eater. And I was like, I sort of took that as a badge of honor. Um, but uh, and and then to sort of fill in when I ask you about Chicago hot dog, each each place essentially in the U.S. has their own style of hot dog. Which Seattle, Washington, by the way, cheese, uh, cream cheese on your hot dog, which I love. Oh my! Anyway, not Chicago- for me. Not for me. <laughs> you, I didn't think of it until I had it and I left it. Uh, so the Chicago hot dog is a beef dog, poppy seed bun. Yellow mustard, white onions, very bright relish, dill pickle spear, tomato, uh, and then sport peppers, which is kind of like a pepperoncini pepper and celery salt, and it's tasty. And then I did see a place that combined the two and had a Chicago hot dog deep dish pizza. I didn't have Ooh. it. <laughs> no, I don't fancy that at all. That sounds like a bad idea. You give me a flashback of something I haven't thought about for years, and I completely forgot. Like I remember when 
I think, I can't remember now, thinking back to what I said earlier, when we got the deep dish, I can't remember if we then went to our accommodation and went to the game, but I remember the the fellow who was driving, and he always wanted to drive, he's not very good. Um, and he, he at one point, when we just come out of this pizza place, he slammed his foot on the brake, and it was just as my mate was just like opening the pizza to have a little peep at it. And deep dish pizza went flying all over his car. It looked like a crime scene. There was just like tomato sauce everywhere. And, like for the rest of the trip, we just kept on smelling tomato sauce and trying to like clean it. It was really, really good. So like all the leftover deep dish pizza in smithereens. Well, not really in smithereens, in, in horrible blobs around this like 20 year old uh, estate car. It was great. And well, that's like a gallon of sauce too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had to we had to swim out of the car to get to the game. It was ridiculous. And so, I guess let's uh, let's bring this to an end. I'm sure we could have gone and on and on about this, but to to sort of bring this back full circle, uh, you know, your first experience was in Bridgepoint. Now that Chicago Fire are seemingly heading back to Chicago, whether it's at Soldier Field or a new stadium, I'm sure you're excited to get back down there and and have a different experience. Yeah, I'll certainly do it again. I mean, I got, I'm lucky enough to have plenty of friends there, so they always take us to some. You know, very, very, you know, distinctly Chicago, um, you know, local bars. Actually, I've just had a thought. What's that horrendous shot that people from um, Chicago have? I think it's called Malort. Have you heard of Malort before? No. It's absolutely horrible. Like, it just, yeah, yeah Jepson's Malort. It's it's like a Chicago spirit. And, like, when, oh, my friends that live in Chicago always make me have it. And it tastes like burning tyres. It's the most horrible thing you could ever have. And I always get it pulled down my throat every single time I go there. So <laughs> I'd probably say just to kind of like spread the unease that that makes me feel, the, the how it makes my face contort into so many shapes and makes me, you know, I, I, I don't burp very often, but it makes me burp an awful lot. I, I, I implore everybody goes there, has to go through the pain of having a shot at my law because it is vile. <laughs> on that note <laughs> we'll bring that to a pleasant conclusion well this was episode 5 Dan uh, lots to look forward to but uh, I think we had another good one yeah I think that was pretty decent Like one place I want to go to one place I want to go to again and again and again um, I don't know what we're going to talk about next because we haven't decided we're going to have to look at each other's football ground maps have a little dig and decide um but obviously we're always taking requests um you can ask us if we've been to a certain ground or maybe a certain part of the world and we can see you know if we can do that and if we can't maybe we can get a friend of ours on to uh, talk about that experience so yeah let us know where you're interested in traveling or just interested what the football culture is like over there and yes so yes as dan mentioned questions anytime we are working to bring on others as we had with peter galindo recently uh to talk about peru but uh yeah looking forward to the next one and and it's still a mystery to us right now where we're going next but uh until next time thanks for joining everybody and uh this was newspapers on seats exploring the world through soccer until next time goodbye